0: Amen. We are once again in our study, world religions, cults, and the occult. And that's right, we're going to have a little experiment tonight. Go ahead, if you can, take your exciting workbook, hold it over your head once again. Let's do this exciting little ritual. Say, I love my workbook. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm not going to use it tonight. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo. There, now that we've got some more time for some folks to get in here, we are once again in our topic, the eighth topic, that's right, it's called Mormonism, and just by way of recap, we are just getting started, and uh, we're going to kind of, we're still dealing with kind of the history, the background of Joseph Smith and Mormonism. We've already saw last week, uh, last time we were here, if you were into this, uh, the first one, the whole premise of Mormonism, how do you decipher that this thing is true or not? Well, it's all based on a feeling, which is a perversion of the James 1, 5 text, Okay, that you get, to, how do you know it's true? You don't uh, do a brain, you don't check it with the Bible, you just got a burning in the bosom, which could be a, a rotten pizza, chicken, pick your food, it gives you heartburn. That's not how you decipher truth, but that's the basic core premise of it, which tells you right out of the gates, hey, that's a problem. Really, I'm just going to go by feelings to discern something wrong? Feelings can deceive you. Also, which account, Mr. Joseph Smith? Uh, and which version Joseph Smith, and how many different times did you change it? If this is supposed to be true and, and a more accurate, and as he says, the Book of Mormon, the most accurate books of the whole planet that could lead you better to God than any other book, then why are there so many different accounts? And that's historically verified. Speaking of which, uh, even with the Book of Mormon, as we will see later in greater detail, Book of Mormon doesn't even agree with the other writings that they have. Uh, so there's no consistency there. And speaking of which, no archaeological evidence, period. If this is really factual and this really happened, and really came from God, and God doesn't lie, then how come we can't find nothing? We find zero, no coins, no animals, no dead bodies of these thousands upon tens of thousands, if not millions of people dying in these, we find nothing. Okay, then we saw, of course, the word Mormon, right? The whole thing, I'm telling you guys, is we're gonna get into this even more so tonight. We're gonna see that Joseph Smith, in a nutshell, and I don't know how any other way to put it, just being blunt, but just the guy's a liar, He's a liar, and he is a fantastic storyteller, okay? But as we will progress, he's not just a storyteller. Like, he's got a vivid imagination. He rips people off. He rips it off. We're going to see tonight in Freemasonry. He rips it off of even current accounts, okay? The guy just put a bunch of mishmash stuff together, and that's where it comes from. And we're just dealing with the evidence, okay? But Mormon, we saw, comes from, believe it or not, that's not something no-shake. It doesn't mean more good from the reformed Egyptian, as some would say, excuse me, that was a word used back in his day to, to the boogie monster, the she monster, okay, that was, that was used during his day. And in the oriental, they got a problem with that. We saw it means devil's gate. So they don't typically use that when they're witnessing to orientals because that's what it means. And we left off, it is extremely racist, okay? As we will see eventually when we get into other cults that arrived about the same time frame, the birth of Mormonism, you also had the birth of Seventh-day Adventists, Christian science some of the, a lot of the charismatic fringe groups, okay, you're all, and uh, you're going to see uh, that they were extremely racist, a lot of them as well, uh, especially with Ellen G. White and her doctrine of amalgamation, where her version of the black African race was, he would say that uh, black Africans are cursed because they stayed neutral in this thing. She comes up with a doctrine called amalgamation, still on record, believe it or not, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, and that she said that they are uh, derived from amalgamation, from bestiality. Very, very racist. Same thing you got here with uh, Mormonism. Complete heresy, obviously. Just crazy. And that's the kind of stuff that they want to keep hidden from you. And that's what we see with Joseph Smith, and they just try to cover these records up. And when they come knocking at the door, they sure don't tell you this stuff, okay? Then we left off with just a little bit of a, a teaser with the occult ties. We're going to get in a little bit of that tonight, and then, Lord willing, also next week, Lord willing. And then we're leaving with tonight with a couple questions. All right, with all that said, okay, that's not a good track record. It ain't looking good. Okay, but if you talk to Mormons, they just got this oozing love of Joseph Smith. In fact, he's supposed to be even better than Jesus, right? And remember we saw before in the video that uh, Joseph Smith, that they believe that uh, when people die, you're going to stand before the judgment seat and Joseph Smith is going to be there. So this guy, he's the, the guy, right? He's supposed to be the great prophet. In fact, they make him out to be like the, quote, the lamb led to the slaughter. And so that's the question. Was Joseph Smith really, number one, was he really a, uh, a martyr, Right, He was just some guy who just had this truth, this genuine so-called vision. And, and unfortunately, the people just shot him. He was just trying to... But he surrendered his life. No. It's a lie, too. Big lie. In fact, wait till you hear who shot him. But let's get into that. Uh, after the publication of the Book of Mormon, Mormonism, unfortunately is my word there, began to grow. Uh, because their religion was so deviant from Christianity, hello, uh, plurality of God's polygamy. Joseph, we'll get into this in much greater detail, was said to have up to 27 wives. Okay? And that's part of the reason why people hunted him down. Uh, he was sleeping with their wives. Persecution soon forced them to move from New York to Ohio, then to Missouri, and finally, Nauvoo, Illinois. Okay? And he was uh, shot and killed not too far from Nauvoo. Nauvoo was right there on the, uh, the I believe the Illinois, Iowa kind of corner border there with the Mississippi. Just a little bit inland, about a half-hour drive car. I don't know how long it takes to walk or use a horse back then. How many of you guys realize they didn't have cars back then? Praise God you're discerning Christians, all three of you. The rest of you, wow. you're. I'm glad you're here. Maybe we should start back with the Discipleship 101 studies, but I won't go there. Uh, but anyway, so but it's about, about a half-hour away, and uh, that's where he eventually died. But, so he's in there in the Nauvoo, Illinois. People ch- chasing him down. Right? This guy's, what in the world? What? what, what? Okay, anyway, so but after being accused of breaking some laws uh, in Nauvoo by destroying a printing press that was supposed to be publishing harmful information about Mormonism, uh, Joseph and his brother Hiram ended up in jail. A mob broke out into the jail and killed Joseph and his brother, and that's where they'll, they'll, they'll say, Oh, yeah, that's what happened. But it was just a lamb led to the slaughter. The guy was there just trying to tell the truth, and people took him out, and it was bad. No. Let's get into the real history of what happened. And this is historical record. This is easy to demonstrate. I don't know why they would even try to dispute this. Well, I do know why, because the guy was not a martyr. Okay, but anyway, and I quote, the events leading to the death of Mormon founder Joseph Smith are, quote, much like the events surrounding his life. Their word, not mine, full of contradiction. Okay, to hear Mormons tell a story, Smith did no wrong. But let's take a look what happened and caused uh, his death. Uh, Quote, when an opportunity uh, to murder Smith finally came, this is a historical record, it grew paradoxically out of the events within the Mormon church. Mormons hunted him down. Right? That's what, hey, wait a second. You didn't tell me that when you came knocking at the door. What's going on with that? Well, and here's why. A conflict over the issues of plurality of wives and him sleeping with other guys' wives, uh, even uh, other Mormon Guys, wives. In fact, he would tell them that uh, you have to, you know, let me sleep with you. I mean, again, we're going to probably have a whole study just on polygamy uh, and their beliefs with that, and him and uh, Brigham Young. Uh, but the conflict arose over that, other extreme doctrines, and things of that nature. And this was within the circle of Mormon leaders, right? And uh, it, it broke. In, and by 1844, in the spring, there. And uh, these were some prominent men. This wasn't just some like, you know, fringe Mormons, whatever, the guys that had no power and authority. This was within their main structure uh, that began. It was led by a guy named William Law, and he was a member of the first presidency since 1841 at that time, and others, and there's a whole bunch of listed names there. But they resolved, they broke off from Joseph Smith, Mormons, and they resolved to publish their views and to, quote, expose uh, the secret things that were going on in the Mormon hierarchy and in and, 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 uh, a newspaper, right? They decided, we're gonna basically, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have blogs, I'm gonna get the word out, right? So, what did they do? They didn't have TV, there was no radio. Well, it's newspapers, right? So, they started a newspaper, and it was called the NAVU, right? Expositor, and on June 7th, they issued the first and the only edition of their paper that included exposing. Uh, what was going on with uh, Joseph Smith. Now, in response, Smith, Joseph Smith, who, by the way, conveniently happened to be Nauvoo's mayor, right, uh, and also had control of the Nauvoo City Council, wanted to declare, or uh, they voted to declare the paper that these guys who broke off to him as a, quote, public nuisance, and they sent an order to the city marshal to, quote, you are commanded, this is a direct quote, you are commanded to destroy the printing press from whence issues the Nauvoo Expositor. And... Uh, scatter the type of said printing establishment in the street, and burn all expositors and libels, handbills, libelous handbills found in said establishment. Whew, man, that English back then was a challenge. Uh, but anyway, so and of course the act was carried out and ordered on June 10th. So the way he did, these guys said, "That's it. We're going to tell people what's really going on here." Mormons breaking off from Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith responds with his power being the mayor. And having controlled the city council, they said, nope, that's it. They told the city marshal, go there and destroy that printing press. Well, that's where the fight really began, because these guys reacted back. And again, this is Mormon against Mormon. Right? Now, this caused uh, the publishers to go to the nearby town of Carthage. Right? So again, this is Nauvoo, Carthage, about a half-hour car ride uh, inland. Right? And to obtain an arrest warrant for Smith, because he's the one that ordered to destroy their property and their stuff in the newspaper, and charged them with, a, a, with riot, Joseph Smith and the there. So the municipal court of Nauvoo, composed of Mormons who were sympathetic to Joseph Smith, they didn't see that way, and they acquitted him and the other that were accused. Then they were examined by a guy named Justice Daniel Wells, and again, they were acquitted. Uh, but because Wells did not have authority in such case, this led to a third examination, and this too ended up with the defendants being found not guilty. So they're getting nowhere, right? However, Joseph Smith if you will, makes a fatal error. He sought the help of Illinois governor, right? It goes over their head, uh, uh, Governor Thomas Ford. And in order to have this matter settled, Ford believed that Smith and the others who were originally charged should submit themselves to the constable at Carthage, right? Maybe it would have died down right now, but he goes to the governor, Joseph Smith does, right? And then they need to go there, he says, and await trial. Now, in that letter, the governor of Illinois, Governor Ford, he promised Joseph Smith and the others that they would, quote, be protected from violence, right? Now, remember, the whole premise is Joseph Smith was an innocent lamb, led to the slaughter. He had nothing to hide. He was just standing for the truth. Well, first of all, after that letter from the Illinois governor, quote, refusing to believe the governor's promise, Smith made plans to escape, capture, and flee to the Rocky Mountains. So much for being a martyr, right? So initially, your knee-jerk reaction was, i got to get out of here, right? But he did... Uh, returned to Navoo, spent the night, and in the morning was told he had to report to Carthage. Again, have our car drive about 10 in the morning. So he and his brother Hiram, Joseph Smith and Hiram, rode into Carthage and turned themselves into the local authorities. They checked into the local hotel, but they were met by the constable, who says, no, 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 you're not staying in the hotel. I uh, put him under the arrest and went to the jail. Now the jail, again, is kind of glamorized, like, oh no, it's horrible. Uh, yeah, it was kind of more of a it, not what we would consider a jail, but whatever. But anyway, so on the afternoon of June 27th, remember, this guy's supposed to be a lamb led to the slaughter. Elder, and this is a direct quote, Elder Cyrus H. Wheelock came in to see us. And when he was about leaving, and this was Joseph Smith, his brother Hiram, the guys that were in this so-called jail. When he came in uh, to see us, and when he was about leaving, that's their grammar, not mine, uh, drew a small pistol, a six-shooter, from his pocket remarking at the same time, quote, would any of you like to have this? And Joseph Smith, the lamb led to the slaughter, said, absolutely not. No siree, I'm just going to stand for the truth because this is genuine. Are you kidding me? Uh, here's what he did. Brother Joseph, quote, immediately replied, yes, give it to me, where he grabbed the, the pistol, okay, and put it in his pantaloons pocket. Uh, the pistol was a six-shooting revolver. Now, soon afterwards, a number of men from the town, who were they? Right? Uh, coming around the corner into the jail. They're climbing up the stairs. Right? It was up on the, the uh, second floor, apparently. And immediately, uh, William Richards and Hiram Smith, Joseph Smith's brother, leaned against the door to prevent the mob right, from entering the room. Again, gives you an idea. It wasn't like a jail cell and locked in. Uh, you can't get us. Right? So, but anyway, so, quote, while in this position, so they're leaning against the door, Joseph Smith's brother and this other Mormon guy, The mob, who had come upstairs, tried to open the door, probably thought it was locked, and fired a ball, a shot, through the keyhole, probably trying to bust it open, thought it was locked. Uh, At this, Dr. Richards and Brother Hiram leaped back from the door with their faces towards it. Almost instantly, another ball passed through the panel of the door and struck Brother Hiram on the left side of the nose, entering his face and head. Hiram fell back and cried out, I'm a dead man. Well, that's Joseph Smith's brother. And so as a lamb led to the slaughter, he just stood there and says, oh, wow, that's too bad. But you know what? I'm going to stand tall as a, a man. And yeah, you know where I'm going, Bobby. Are you kidding me? Joseph Smith, they shot his bro. So what'd he do? Man, he goes wild. Instantly, and this is the historical record, he instantly arose with a firm quick step and determined expression on, of countenance. You want to translate that? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. And he approached the door. He pulled the six-shooter uh, from his pocket, Opened the door, snapped the pistol, six, he unloaded the whole thing. Um, only three of the barrels, however, were discharged, so three more duds. Afterwards, though, uh, I understood that two or three, the guy giving the account, two or three were wounded by these discharges, two of whom, I informed, died. That's the account. That's the historical record. So there's no, like, I'm just standing there, they just came and got me for no. No, it's Mormons within your own camp, as we'll see later, Hanging with their wives, sleeping with their wives, telling them they got wives. So there's all kinds of weird stuff going on, to put it mildly, right? And they come to take you out. This isn't just over the newspaper, right? And I'm not condoning what the other people did, but he wasn't standing there just. And you look at their artwork. You know, it's this perversion of the facts. Once again, as the guy there says, just like this whole background, how he supposedly died, the whole thing's a contradiction. It's completely un. True, and that's what one guy says. Smith accepted the offer of Wheelock's pistol. From that moment on, everything changed, making a comparison to an innocent lamb or a willingly martyr, a, quote, perversion of the facts. He decided to use the pistol, which means he did not have any intention to voluntarily lay down his life. And again, his first knee-jerk reaction was, go to the Rocky Mountains. Once again, escape, just like all the other patterns from Ohio to Illinois, et cetera, blah, blah. Smith, oh, oh, no, I can't do that one yet. It gets really weird, but anyway. So uh, uh, typically, and let's contrast that, right? Lamb led to the slaughter. Look at us, Christian martyrs. He's supposed to be a Mormon martyr. Christian martyrs are known for willingly and peaceably giving their lives for the cause of Christ, right? Remember in our study with Roman Catholicism, last the last section. Remember the accounts of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ being burned alive, uh, drowned uh even after they're dead they get so mad at them that they dig up their bones and burn them and ash them and throw their ashes in the water oh you really got me now but anyway so anyway so but oftentimes when they're being led to the stake what are they doing they're singing hymns to praise to god they're witnessing trying to lead their captors to christ that's a lamb led to the slaughter okay that's not what's going on here okay that's what we see with genuine christians okay uh not fighting back and just letting if you will the chips uh, lie where they made. There's no escaping the fact that he, Joseph Smith, was guilty of being involved in the destruction of the expositor, and history has shown that many accusations made in regarding Smith's secret involvement with polygamy were accurate. It is, quote, this is their words, not mine. It is wrong for Mormons to portray Joseph Smith's last moment of that as an innocent lamb and a willing martyr. Absolutely so. Okay, again, uh, their words. Now, after that... Uh, shooting the church divides into two groups okay and we'll get into this lord one later uh one led by his widow went back to independence missouri uh they're known as the reorganized church of jesus christ and again we'll get into this later all right and uh they claim to be the true church the true mormons right uh they lay claim to legal succession of the church presidency which was bestowed upon joseph's son uh by joseph smith himself the other group and this is what we're more familiar with the other group because right, after he died, there's a big splint off. Uh, the other group was led by Brigham Young. They went to Utah, where in 1847, they ended up in Salt Lake and founded, of course, Salt Lake City. And, of course, Brigham Young had 25 wives and accumulated much wealth and was into slavery and all kinds of other stuff. Okay? But before we get back to that, okay, I want to lead to you uh, something that I left out. And that's where uh, we're at at this point. Smith's last words, right before they shot him. Okay. Now all the whole things, a bunch of contradictions, that's a kind word, lies, and even their own history of how their own leader not just came up with this story, okay, is a lie, but how he died and how they portray him is a lie, okay? But he did something right before he died, and this helps to explain uh, some of the uh, things in Mormonism, okay? He did this, quote, his last words were, O Lord, my God. Well, he must have been a Christian right there. No, that's actually the first part of a a phrase that he was trying to get out. To, again, he wasn't a lamb led to slaughter. He was trying to escape even at the very end. listen to this. Uh, And this is by a Mormon historian. So this is in their own camp reporting this fact. A guy named Reed Durham. Not to be confused with Reed Rucker right there in the front row. Uh, Reed Durham, okay, and, I, and I'll even give it to you. Uh, um, Page 28 of the booklet called No Help for the Widow's Son said that here's how he died, right? It wasn't, oh, I'm just sitting there trying to tell... No, he died like this. He had his hands up like this, forming this specific hand gesture. We'll get to that in a second. And what he was trying to say was the complete phrase, oh, Lord, my God, okay? Uh, and then what he was trying to say was the finish in that say, is there no help for the widow's son? Now, why was he saying that? Because that is a Masonic distress signal. You have to have, guys have done this in court, when they're going before court with a judge. If the judge is a Masonic judge, all he's got to do is give some secret hand signal. But he specifically, you say the phrase, oh, Lord, my God, is there not any help for the widow's son or whatever? Okay, that's the signal that these other guys... If they were Freemasons, they are under a blood oath that they have to spare that guy's life, i.e. Joseph Smith. Right? So that's, the, and you're going to like, well, what are the odds that those other guys were Masons? We'll see in just a second. At this time, early on in just Nauvoo, there's up to about 1,500 just men were Masons. And we'll see why in just a second. So once again, he's not a lamb led to the slaughter. He's given the Masonic sign to hopefully these guys, but he didn't get to finish the sentence. They shot him. Interesting. So not only a lamb led to the slaughter uh, is a bunch of baloney, but that's the next question, okay? So Joseph Smith, was he a martyr? What's the answer? Rhymes with no, okay, for those of you wondering. Okay, number two, was he really involved in Freemasonry? Wow, wow. Now, uh, yes, he is, is going to be the answer, and I'll just tell you right now. Uh, now, we don't have time to go into a knockdown, drag out of Freemasonry. I'm just going to give you just a little smattering. We have a whole, I think it's the very last chapter in our book, is all going to be on Freemasonry. But just to give you an idea of Freemasonry, number one, so you understand what he was involved in, and then we're going to get into the parallels, because he, listen, he not only was a liar story, but he's a plagiarist. And he rips off things from contemporary history to make up this thing called the Book of Mormon. And we're going to see tonight, Lord willing, that he also ripped off the rituals in Freemasonry. And he didn't even come up with those. The guy, with all due respect, I don't know how else to describe. He's a con artist, right? But anyway, so Freemasonry. Now again, we're going to get into this much later. Start date five thousand three hundred twenty-two. When Bobby turns ninety-seven. Yeah, it'd be good. So, I hope I'm still kicking. But anyway, uh, but anyway, Freemasonry. This is what they believe. Now, by the way, Freemasonry. I'll just be blunt. This is nothing that any Christian, anybody, should ever be involved in. Certainly not a Christian. This is one of the most anti-Christian, un-Christian. I don't know, unbiblical. Throw as many uns as you can at this thing. And I'll just state this on record, on tape. If you are a Christian and you were involved in this, you need to repent. You need to get right with God, and you need to immediately leave right now. This is demonic, and this is not Christian. All right, so let me just give you a little teaser on that aspect. Uh, Freemasonry, also known as like Eastern Star, if you're familiar with that. Uh, also, they have their own youth groups. Did you know that? the a guy's youth group is called Demolay, named after a uh, um, Knights Templar guy. Okay. Also, they have a youth group for girls, and it's either called Rainbow Girls or Job's Daughters. Okay, and I could tell you stories of being a former youth pastor way back in the day, last week, of <laughs> a church that was major, mega into Freemasonry, and their, their youth group was Demolay and Job's Daughters in the church. Right? Uh, I've dealt with people in the church, uh, deacons, board members involved in the local Freemasonry lodge. Controlling what was going on in the church and also restricting what was to be taught at that church. I had one guy I was teaching because basically what we're going to see, Freemasonry, basically come one, come all, right? Christianity is not exclusive. Jesus is not exclusive. You know, you just got to believe in a supreme being, but you can fill in the blank, right? So the last thing you want to do is start saying that Jesus is the only way. Well, I'm preaching the sermon. Jesus is the only way. So this guy, I didn't know at the time, later I found out he was a Mason in the town. And this is in the church leadership. Right? And he comes up to me after that sermon and he looks at me, big old guy. Of course everybody's big compared to vertically challenged people like myself. But this is a big guy, big guy, like six, six big, his hand could eat my head. Right? So he comes up to me and he just he looks down and he just gets in my face and he says, I don't want to hear that preaching no more. We shouldn't be talking about other religions. Because I was doing a comparison. Here's Christianity, but here's a little bit of Mormonism. Here's what uh, the uh, uh, Muslims and Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, just doing how, how they're radically different. The exclusivity of uh, exclusives. The gospel is exclusive. Uh, <laughs> right? And that, nothing in great detail like we're doing now. right? But that was enough to get them riled up. And so basically, I went and did a visit uh, after that. And because his wife said, oh, you want to talk to him? He's kind of upset. What? So I want to talk to him. And so we're going around and around and around. And I'm basically saying, listen, how am I supposed to be a loving person if I can't tell people that their way is the wrong way, which means they're going to hell. And then if I can't say nothing, then how's that being a loving person? Couldn't answer, whatever. But basically, you know how the conversation ended? Looked me straight in the face like this <laughs> and said, I've seen a lot of you come, preachers. I've seen a lot of you preachers come and a lot of you go. It was a threat around right my face. So what did I do next week? Kept preaching on <laughs> And I'm not saying that to both. It's like, you can't back down. But this is in the church. So we'll have probably Lord willing more stories once we get to that. But Freemasonry is not the same thing as Christianity. Get out. Just get out, get out, run, run. Don't make apologies. Get out now. You do not want to align yourself with that. But basically, Eastern Star, Freemasonry, Dimalay, Job's Daughters, Rainbow Girls, et cetera, the same thing. All you got to do is believe in the existence of a supreme being, which includes the gods of Islam, Hinduism, any other world religion, basically. It's unbiblical. It's anti-Christian belief. Okay? It has the outward appearance of just being a good old boys club, good for business especially. Same thing with Mormons. right? You want to get a job? You want to get some furniture? You, you want to get a promotion, you want the same thing, which again, when you understand the ties of the Freemasonry, they're doing the same tactics. Okay, is that? Uh, but basically, uh, the very process of joining the Freemasonry's lodge requires Christians to ignore, again, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, so, in fact, they even say you shouldn't even mention his name. But if you're a Christian and you're in this, why would you, how could you submit to that if you can't even mention the name of Jesus Christ? And if you certainly can't say he's the only way to heaven. Why would you want to be a part of that? Red flag, red flag, run, right? And we're just getting started, okay? Uh, They also believe that a person will be saved and go to heaven as a result of his good works and personal self-improvement. So, hello, workspace, why are you a part of this? This is Freemasonry. They believe that the Bible is just one of many sacred books or the volumes of sacred law, they would say, uh, and uh, it's an important book, but only for those who claim to be Christians are concerned. Just like the Quran would be important to a Muslim who decides to become a Freemason, etc. blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's nothing exclusive about the Bible. The Bible says there's one God, but Masons say that basically they invite people of all faiths, even if they use different names for, quote, the nameless one of a hundred names. No, there's only one God. Right? But again, this is that the basic belief. Masons view that there is no doctrine to the deity of Jesus Christ; they deny that. It's also deemed to be unmasonic to invoke the name of Jesus when praying, and even mention his name in the lodge. Okay, suggesting that Jesus is the only way to God in the Freemasonry lodge contradicts their principle of tolerance. Right. So, basically, in a nutshell, all religions come together just be under the. Umbrella Freemasonry. Kind of reminds you of Catholicism, doesn't it? What we just finished up uh, before. Uh, But again, Jesus is just another religious leader. Masons teach that man is not sinful, just quote, rude and imperfect. Must have been driving in Vegas in the traffic when they come up with that doctrine. So, anyway, Excuse me. Right? Human beings, they say, are able to improve their character in various ways, charity, moral living, a voluntary performance of civic duty. That's, again, why they're big on works, helping in the community. That's their version of salvation, just like the Mormons, right? Doing good works, riding on the bike, and doing all this stuff, and It's the same thing. Right? Also, when a Christian, so-called Christian, takes the oath of Freemasonry, he is swearing to the following doctrines that God has pronounced false and sinful so if you're a christian you say you're a christian and you join freemasonry this is what you have to agree by number one that salvation can be gained by man's good works right there you should have ran for the door number two that jesus is just one of many equally revered prophets flee to the door Right? Number three, that they you as a supposed Christian, quote, will remain silent in the lodge and not talk of Christ. Run. Which also, once again, for those of you who weren't here last time, uh, is very similar to the acronym for the Mormon church, LDS, the Crone translation, leave, don't stop. Okay, do the same thing with Freemasonry. Get out of there, man. This is not a joke. Run. How in the world? I don't care if it's good for business. Change jobs. Get out of there. This is satanic. It's unbiblical. It's a cult, right? Uh, but anyway, so that's basically, and again, we'll get into that in much greater detail. But that's what Joseph Smith was involved in. That's why he was given this specific hand gesture forming the square, Right, with your hands up here trying to say the phrase, but he only got half of it out. <laughs> right? So that's why he was doing it. He was a Freemason, and that's easily documented. In fact, not just him, but his brother Hiram and his dad. His family was Freemasons, okay? and that's easily documented as well. By the 1840s, Smith and several prominent members of the Latter-day Saints had become Freemasons and founded a lodge in Nauvoo. Illinois in, March 1842. Soon after joining Freemasonry, Smith introduced a temple endowment ceremony. Now, this is their big temple that we're going to see in their, the temples that, you know, only the ones who, on the priesthood, you got to go on your bike ride tour, you got to have a referral, you got to pay up your cash 30%, right? And they're going to pull your W-2s if you don't pay up. So you got to go through all that. And then all of a sudden, he goes through the Freemasonry rituals, which we're going to see is almost carbon copy. And just a matter, I kid you not, of weeks of him becoming a mason, going through those rituals, guess what he comes out with? His own ritual, but he doesn't call it Freemasonry. It's called the Temple Endowment Ceremony. (laughs) You liar. You ripped it off from Freemasonry. We'll get into that in just a second, okay? And uh, anyway, and so he remained a Freemason unto his death. And again, that's what he was trying to do to save his skin, not be a martyr, to the very end. Now, other significant leaders were also Masons, including Brigham Young, who I believe even wore his Freemason pin the rest of his life. Okay, so he was a Freemason. Uh, Heber Kimball and John C. Bennett, listen, um, also among the Mormons, soon over 1,500 Mormon men in the city of Nauvoo, which obviously was a small town, uh, were practicing Masons. So he had a pretty good odds if he could have got the whole rest of the thing out, they might have spared his life because they have to take a blood oath because that's a Mason brother. Even if he's guilty, I don't care what he's done, we cannot kill him, but he didn't get it out. Uh, And in fact, he wasn't just a Mason. 1842, Smith became a master Mason. He was also raised to the third degree of master Mason on site by Grand Master Jones of the Grand Lodge of Illinois. Joseph Smith's family was a Masonic family. Uh, They lived by, they practiced the tenets of Freemasonry His father, him, his brother. Uh, In fact, uh, it's documented that his father was raised to the degree of Master Mason on May 7, 1818 in the Ontario Lodge, number 23, of Canandaigua, New York. His uh, brother, Hiram, was a member of the Mount Moriah Lodge, number 112, in Palmyra, New York, where they grew up. The LDS Church Temple uh, worship shares all kinds of similarities to Freemasonry. And we're going to get into this in great deal, detail in just a second. I mean everything, from whether they're, what they're doing with the secret handshakes uh, to the symbols that they have displayed inside, outside, all over. It's just the guy literally ripped them off from Freemasonry. Okay? In fact, listen to this. Uh, Masons uh, exchange secret handshakes. Right? There are certain ways you got to do it with your thumb and all this other stuff, and again, we'll get into that later. Uh, a, to identify uh, f- other Freemasons, again, in public. Or in times of distress, like he was trying to do, and things of that nature. Well, Mormonism teaches these handshakes. They got their own secret handshakes, but guess where they got them from? But all he did, he took the same uh, term, and he just changed the terminology, right? Uh, Joseph Smith said that you have to give these secret handshakes and these temple things, right? Uh, And I believe some of it's like behind you, got with your hand behind the curtain and all, whatever. Anyway, but these are given uh, not to identify a fellow Freemason. Uh, but they're given to sentinel angels so that Mormons may be admitted into the highest kingdom of heaven. Okay, Because, again, they got three tiers, right? And it depends on your work. So if you want to make it all the way to the top, you got to really work at it. And that literally is what the, the, the celestial kingdom at the top, where you get to eventually become, you don't want to be on that lower level. You want to be on the third level, that top level. Because you do that, hey, according to their teaching, that's right, you get to become a god. Your wife, you gets to become a goddess if you call her secret name out on Resurrection Day. Uh, and I uh, don't think they didn't hold that over their head. They do still to this day. Uh, but also then you get to forever populate your own planet with spirit babies. Yeah, my wife doesn't want to do that either. But uh, two kids were enough. But anyway, let's move on. LDS temple garments, right? Temple garments, again, uh, I'm telling you, let's just get into this to where the, you got the parallel going on. It just, he, he ripped it off. Now, uh, believe it or not, <clears throat> Uh, this, what, everything I'm going to say to you right now uh, is Freemasonry, but it's also all over the place with Mormons. And I'm telling you, the guy just ripped the whole thing off, okay? Joseph Smith, the All-Seen Eye, huge with Freemasonry. Again, we'll get into this much greater detail later. But right now, to this day, on the top of the towers of the Salt Lake Temple is the All-Seen Eye, still in the temple, Uh, Freemasonry, Mormonists also have with the apron. The beehive, we'll get into this in just a second. Beehive is a big thing with Freemasons. It's supposed to be an icon of industry and stuff. Big in uh, also uh, Mormonism as well. The square and the compass, the emblem of clasped hands. The five points of fellowship. Wait till you hear who also has a five points of fellowship. And that's basically this. They Basically, it's this little ritual that you go through. The the, masons have it, okay? Uh, But it's basically, you got foot to foot, then you go knee to knee, then you go hand to hand, then you have breast to breast, and then you have the the left hand uh, behind the back Uh, or some of the mouth, there's a variant that's there. So basically, they they, they both just... And I'm telling you, tit for tat, what are the odds of him, he's supposed to have this new vision that's supposed to be better than anything else, and then you're going down, right down the line, carbon copy, everything that more, uh, Freemasonry has. Even their symbolism, even their rituals, even their verbiage, uh, even their uh, secret handshakes. Uh, it, it just, there's no way it's by chance. Special garments, uh, garment markings uh, as well. Uh, in fact, let's get into that, uh, t- the endowment ceremony, right? Now, the en- endowment ceremony, uh, they do this as they're working their way to the priesthood because they want to make it to the maximum level. Right? The celestial kingdom. And believe it or not, we got actual recordings. People have recorded what's, supposed to, what's going on there. Right? And let me give you just a little transcript of this. And this is the, the, the practice of, of the endowment ceremony. Right? That basically, Joseph Smith, he went through a ceremony of Freemasonry, and then all of a sudden, weeks later, hey, he's got his own. So that's, this is the ceremony. Brethren and sisters, you are here to receive your own endowments. Uh, should you have been washed, anointed, and clothed in the garment of the holy priesthood, and also for those who are representing deceased persons, because they go through this ritual also for the dead. We'll get into that later. Why is baptizing the dead? Why are the Mormons so big on genealogy? Why are they so big on the dead? Uh, why is that a big doctrine in the Mormon church? We'll get into that great later. And believe it or not, it has to do uh, partly with Joseph Smith's brother. And, uh, but anyway, we'll get into that later. But they also, at the same time, not only you have to go through this washing ritual, you not only have to wear these garments, which I'll get into in a second, during this s- secret ceremony. I supposed to be secret. But you're also being given a new name, a new special name, right? And uh, you have this garment, they say, placed upon you. And But the realizing of these blessings, quote, depends on your faithfulness, right? So again, it's all works-based, whatever. And there. so there they are. They're going through this ceremony, and I'm going through it kind of fast. I'm just giving you a little nutshell because I'm trying to draw that parallel. Uh, but basically, you're in this ritual. This is it. This is the top thing, man. You're making it to the highest level. You're working your way up, just like in Freemasonry, you work your way up, okay? But you, you got your gar- You've been washed and cleansed, supposedly. You got your garment on. You also got this new name. Now they say, quote, you've had a new name given to you, which you were. Uh, told never to divulge and never forget And this new name is the keyword by which you will be required to give at a certain place in the temple today uh, But also uh, They're going to need it for later say. So the big thing is you, you got the, the garments on you've been washed and been cleaned you're going through this ritual It's a workspace salvation. You're trying to work your way to the top level Okay, and you get this new name Now that's a lot First of all a workspace salvation. I mean that's a nightmare. How do you know it's enough? Who, who, who's, what if you did 100,000 good things, and you get there, so to speak, and it's 100,001? Oops. Right? You, you never know. It's a nightmare. And plus, you've got to remember this new name. Oh, by the way, these supposed new names, these secret names that they give these people, uh, Mormons who've come out and have gone through this temple service. Okay, uh, one report, the guy says, actually, it's about 12 names, and they just recycle them. But see, the orders are, you can't tell anybody, so nobody knows. So Whatever. But anyway, so new names, new names. Now, that's just, you can't ever forget this new name, right? Hope it has got a good jingle, because have you guys noticed that the older you get, it's, you forget stuff? I mean, they're, they're eternal destiny. You better not for, In fact, let me give you a couple examples real quick. I, I got to take this little detail. Uh, don't forget. Uh, There's elderly guy. He's talking with a friend. He says, my wife and I, we tried a new Chinese restaurant the other night, and it was really good. I, I think you and your wife would really enjoy it. And so his friend said, really? Uh, Hey, we'll have to try it. What's, what's the name of the restaurant? And the guy goes, ah, uh, let's see, what was the name? I, I, I can't, hmm, I can't think of it. What, oh, hey, uh, what's the name of, the, of a flower? It's, um, it's real popular, it's long-stemmed, it's got thorns. And the other guy goes, Rose. And the other guy, he says, yeah, that's it. Hey, Rose, what's the name of that restaurant that we ate at the other night? <laughs> yeah, and that, that, that happens to you when you get older, right? And, and one guy, this one, he said this, he, he was invited to a dinner uh, by his elderly neighbors, and the old gentleman there, he endearingly preceded every request to his wife, Honey, Darling, Sweetheart Pumpkin, Sweetie Pie, you know, all those pet names. And so the guy, the neighbor was impressed, And, and especially since the couple, they have been married about 70 years. Well, the wife, she goes off to the kitchen, so he, he, the neighbor guy, he asks this older gentleman, he says, man, I, I just think this is awesome. After all the years you've been married, you still refer to your wife in those uh, terms. And the elderly guy just hung his head, and he says, actually, I forgot her name about 10 years ago. <laughs> but this is serious stuff, man. They give you a new name. You better not forget it. You just, oh. you, know, you work your way there. You don't know much. But anyway, so this is the temple. But let's get back on target. The garments. right? right, let's get back to the garments. Freemasonry Mormons, same thing. The garments, okay, they call them the garment of the holy priesthood, right? Uh... You and I, uh, the this name on the street is magic underwear. Okay, now they don't like that term but that's, because it's supposed to have magical properties too, right? And it's a type of underwear worn by them, and they have it in this endowment ceremony. And they are told, you got to wear this day and night for the rest of your life, right? Okay, and believe it or not, they say when, quotes their words, not mine, when properly worn, this garment provides protection against temptation and evil. In fact, quote, tales are told of Latter-day Saints who credit their temple garments with helping them survive car wrecks, fires, and natural disasters. Hence why the average person, non-Mormon, would say, what is that, magic underwear? Okay, that's what it is, but that's what they believe. Now, the garment was first described in the 1840s. It's a one-piece undergarment extending uh, originally from the, the ankles all the way up to the wrists. You're completely covered except for your head, basically, and feet and hands. Okay, uh, It looked like, a. Uh, they called them the union suit. You know what that is? It's basically, remember the miners, when they take their coveralls, they'd have that big old, they'd have that, those red pajamas on, right? They covered them, basically the whole thing. Well, that's what they, That's this. that was their first version of this secret garment that they had to wear in this, uh, men and women. Uh, they're basically, uh, they also had an open crotch. They had a collar. It was unbleached cotton, was held together with ties and a double knot, and most of them are homemade. The original garment had four marks that were uh, snipped uh, into the cloth as the part uh, of the Nauvoo Endowment Ceremony. And the marks were the reverse L-shaped symbol on the right breast, the V-shaped symbol on the left breast, and horizontal marks on the navel and above the right knee. And uh, later they became embroidered, but they, left these, they, they put these specific markings on them. Okay, now, according to Mormon doctrine, these marks are special. And they're sacred symbols, right? Actually, uh, they are the square and the compass symbols of Freemasonry. Quote: Joseph Smith had been initiated about seven weeks prior to his induction, uh, introduction uh, to the endowment ceremony. So, seven weeks prior to him coming up with this whole thing, he just got done going through the Mormon ritual, which does the same, or the Freemason ritual, which does the same thing. The V-shaped symbol on the left breast is referred to as the compasses. The reverse L-shaped symbol on the right breast, referred to by the early church leaders as, quote, the square. Hello. Okay. And then I'll have time to get into it. But basically, night, remember, you're supposed to, this, don't touch it. This is it. This is sacred. Used to be the old uh, union suit all the way here, all the way down, right? Don't touch it. Secret magic underwear, so to speak. Wear it the rest of your life. You can't mess with it. Well, they started messing with it. Right? Again, I thought you are supposed to not touch it. What are you doing? It's got to stay the same. And this is supposed to be legit. Well, in 1923, LDS president uh, Heber Grant stated that after prayerful consideration, uh, uh, that the leadership unanimously decided that specific modifications would be permitted to the garments. Sleeves could end at the elbow. Remember, because they went all the way here, all the way down to the ankles. Uh, and uh, the lace could be shortened just below the knee. Okay, And you could use buttons instead of strings. Uh, and they eliminated the open crotch. They closed that up. Well, wait a second. I thought it was supposed to stay the same way and whatever, but now you're making adjustments on it. Okay. Uh, other changes were made in 1923, which shortened the sleeves and legs and then eliminated the buttons. Then in 1930, the LDS built the, listen, Beehive Clothing Mills. Now, of all names for you to, and, and the clothing mills is responsible for manufacturing and selling these secret garments, supposed secret garments. Now, of all names for you to call this garment that was ripped off from Freemasonry, you use a Freemasonry term. Beehive is a big, giant symbol in Freemasonry. And that's what you name this place that makes these things. Anyway, in the church's handbook, they tell you you have to wear these garments day and night and, quote, that they should not alter them. But they keep altering them, and they continue to do it even today. Uh, in the '70s, they made another uh, alteration. To basically, uh, it went into uh, the first two-piece garment because it used to be one big old jumper-jammy, right? Now it's two-piece, and, and basically, I think people are like it's hot because you have to keep this underneath your normal outfit, and you have to hide it from other people. They can't know that you're wearing this, right? Especially unbelievers. So it's like walking around in Vegas with two sets of clothes on. And they still do it today. We had some neighbors that used to live not too far from us. And uh, the lady would never wear shorts. You know why? Because she had her secret garment on. And uh, she would always wear these ones that look like, uh, you know, the shorts that come just over the knee. That's as low as she would get. Why? Because it was just long enough to cover her outfit in the middle of summer in Vegas. So, anyway, but also again, that's just the garments that got special handsakes, uh, the moon signal, uh, and this is uh, Freemasonry and Mormonism, uh, the new names given, and the bloody oath. Both have the bloody oath. Okay, again, this is nothing new. Joseph Smith just ripped it off. Now, this is the Freemasonry initiation ritual, which is another sign. Run! How did you even make it this far? But if they start putting you through this ritual, run. What Christian would be a part of this? This is the ritual. The mason, in order to get into the lodge, and this is the very beginning, the the first three steps, the initiates. The mason must go through an initiation process where they're blindfolded, run. A noose is then put around your neck, double run, (laughs) leave, don't stop. (laughs) What? Okay, then you're led with a sword to your chest into the triple run, Right into the uh, inner room of the lodge where an altar is set up. Behind the altar stands the guy called the worshipful master. He's the master of the lodge and he presides over the initiation ceremony. All prospective nations must bow before the worshipful master and say the following, quote, and you're supposed to be a Christian and this you let this come out of your mouth? Quote, I am lost in darkness and I need the light of Freemasonry. Excuse me? Jesus is the light of the world. You say you belong to him? You're renouncing that. What are you doing? Following this declaration, the initiate is required to take a blood oath swearing allegiance to the lodge and pledging to protect all the secrets of masonry. This blood oath is repeated by every mason who has joined the lodge. It goes like this. Binding myself under uh, no less penalty than having my throat uh, cut across, my tongue, and they use the thumb, and the, they got the whole ritual, uh, and uh, my tongue uh, torn out by its roots, buried in the rough of the sea, et etc., et and they have to keep doing this as they continue to go up uh, the ceremonies, okay? And, uh, and of course, uh, we'll get into that much later with that whole thing, but here's my point. Joseph Smith, did you know, also has a ritual in this ceremony ritual that he just came up with seven weeks after he became a Freemason. And I quote, participants were asked, this is 1842, to take oath of secrecy regarding the gestures of their ceremony, the Mormon ceremony, and the participants promised that if they were ever to reveal the gestures of the ceremony, they would be subject to the following, quote, my throat would be cut from ear to ear, my tongue torn out by its roots, our breasts would be torn open, our hearts and vital torn out and given to the birds and the beasts of the field, and our body cut asunder and our, a cut asunder and our bowels gush out. Gee, I wonder where he got that from. Not just a liar, not just a storyteller, like you think, well, that's a guy. He's a great science fiction writer. He came up with that. What an imagination. I don't even know how much imagination we had. He's a good plagiarist. I'll give him that. But he's taken a little bit from this, a little bit here or there, mixed and it. And this is supposed to be the best account of anything better than the Bible. By reading the Book of Mormon, you will have the best opportunity to get closer to God than any other book on the planet. You got to be kidding me. Okay? So he ripped that out. But again... Uh, that's the same thing that you find in Freemasonry. Again, he took that from Freemasonry. And real quick, they also have stars, symbols, sun symbols, tabernacles, and temples. Okay, now, there's so many Masonic rituals that are the same in Mormonism, so many Masonic symbols, even on the structures of the Mormon temples, etc. still to this day. I want to quote to you an LDS author wrote, this is from their own camp, they even admit it. So, listen to this. He says, quote, Masons who visit the temple block in Salt Lake City are impressed by what they call the Masonic emblems displayed on the outside of the Mormon temple. Yes, the Masonic emblems are displayed on the walls of the temple. The sun, moon, and stars, the two right hands clasped in fellowship, the all-seeing eye, and the beehive. Masonic writers tell us that the Mormon temple ritual uh, and their own are similar. Quote, without any apologies, this is the Mormon guy writing this, we frankly admit that there may be some truth to these statements. <gasps> so they even admit it. It's so similar, you can't hide it. right? The guy didn't even... This, and this is supposed to be all a new word from God, a better revelation, a new revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the best thing on the planet. The guy ripped it off. The guy ripped it off. It's absolutely crazy, okay? He borrowed the whole thing from Mason. In fact, uh, even as recently in uh, spring 2002... They rebuilt the Nauvoo Temple in Illinois because originally, it, when it was built in 1840s, it was destroyed after they left the town. So they recently rebuilt the thing. And guess what they rebuilt the thing with? Masonic. Still to this day, you think, well, that was just back then. They don't do that anymore. No, they're still doing it. Right? This is embedded in Mormonism. The Nauvoo Temple weather vane shows the Masonic symbol, the compass, and the square above. The angel, the angel Moroni, uh, is one example. They also have the uh, sun stone. Uh, And in Freemasonry, it's not just the sun, but it's got like a human face and things of that nature. Uh, Many Masonic symbols, the sun, moon, stars, all seen eye, the beehive, the hand grip, the beehive, are also placed in the Salt Lake City Temple. One of the more familiar symbols of Mormonism is the beehive, and it's uh, used, the hive can be seen on Brigham Young's home, and they even call his house, quote, the beehive house. Okay? And again, he wore his... Uh, Masonic Pym, his life. They have beehive. The beehive, the the Freemason beehive design is displayed on the doorknobs of the Salt Lake City Temple. Uh, Many people are aware of the symbols of the temple, uh, but they're on all, not just the temples, they're on a ton of their buildings and structures. Endowment houses, temples, cooperatives, grave markers. You ever going to see that? Uh, 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 Tabernacles, meeting houses, newspaper, mastheads, hotels, residences, money, Logos and seals. Okay, uh, and again, in addition to these symbols, this is wild. The LDS Church continues to use the upside-down five-pointed star. You know what that's called in the occult? The pentagram. The newly completed Nauvoo Temple. they just told you recently. So, oh, that was just back then. They kind of weird. No, okay, has numerous windows using the pentagram. The inverted star was also used on the Salt Lake Temple above the front doors. If you ever want to come up here, i got pictures of it that you can click and see it to this day. It's also above the upper arch windows on the north and south sides on the Eagle Gate Monument over the State Street of South Temple in Salt Lake City. It's also, and I'm talking the pentagram, it's also on the planter boxes in front of the statue in the Salt Lake visitor center, and it's on the front entrance, upper left-hand corner of the LDS Historical Museum, west of the Temple Square. Now, uh, there's also another group of people who's big on using the pentagram, and again, we'll get into this later, okay, just before Freemasonries, and they just happen to be, guess who? Satanists, okay? That's a big giant symbol for Satanists, and this is their words, not mine. Listen to this. Since the LDS church rejects the use of the cross As a religious symbol. Stop right there. Have you ever noticed? You never, and you never will, find the Christian cross anywhere on a Mormon edifice. If you notice, they have a spire, but guess what's never there? Never a cross, right? But he said this, Since the LDS church rejects the use of the cross as a religious symbol, one is left to wonder why would they adopt symbols used by Masons and Satanists? Interesting. So then I, that, and that was just the pentagram. So I decided to do a little bit more study. And said, are you serious? So Is it just that one item from Satanism that you got? I mean, you're going right down the list with Masons. But Satanists too? Maybe that tells you a little bit where the inspiration came from. Well, listen to this. This is a parallel of Satanists, Masons, and Mormons. Here's just some general similarities. In Satanists, uh, you go through a ritual. You're reduced to nude. Okay? And uh, you're covered, uh, in Satanists, covered with a black shield. Masons, same thing. Okay? Uh, and uh, Mormons, the same thing. Right? It's part of the, you get your new clothes on, stuff, whatever. Except they use a, quote, white shield. I guess that makes it better. right? It's kind of like the people say, well, I only practice white magic. <laughs> I don't do black magic. It's still magic. But anyway, uh, they, uh, Satanists have the ceremony of washing and anointing the body perform all three Same thing. Satanists use also a secret name. Same thing. Masons, Mormons. Uh, Satanists also have a claim to the Melchizedek priesthood. Have you heard that before? Masons, also Mormons. Uh, All three use an altar. All three use the apron. Satanists use an apron. Theirs is green, okay, worn by a guy named uh, the pontiff. Uh, Mormons have an apron. It's white, but guess what color the Mormons use? green. They don't call him a pon- pontiff. He's the patron. Uh, they all three have s- the specific hand class that they do. They all do this secret uh, oath with the secret hand class. Uh, they also have the bloody oath, all three. Uh, you get the death penalty if you reveal any these secrets. Uh, the Satanist ultimate goal is to progress to godhood. What's that sound like? Mormonism. To progress to godhood. And of course Satanists uh, practice communication with the dead and guess what Mormons do? And they really think, Mormons, we'll get into that later, Lord willing, think that they're talking to the dead. Same thing with symbols. All three, Satanists, Masons, Mormons, all have the sun symbol, the moon symbol, stars, pentagrams, compass square, and the all-seeing eye. All three straight across the board. And guess who also does the five points of fellowship? Not just Masons, that Joseph Smith ripped it off. Remember the the foot-to-foot, knee-to-knee, and all that stuff? Satanists do the five-point fellowship as well. That's kind of interesting as well. But man, we are out of time. And I was going to just tell you, you know, we talked about this name Mormon, where it came from, right? Well, when you start getting into the occult factor here, watch this. Do you know where this other big name they use came from? Not just the word Mormon but their supposed angel that these golden plates supposedly came from, Moroni, do you know where that name came from? We'll have to deal with that next week, Tom. That's right. And it has to do with the occult. Shocker. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and get a life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem.